Welcome to Timberline Windsor. Thanks for joining us this weekend. We are a church family that strives to let love live in every facet of our lives. We at Timberline Windsor desire everyone, every man, woman, and child that calls this church family home to be a part of Connections. To join one today, visit our website or download the Timberline app. Enjoy today's message. Um, This weekend is Pentecost weekend. Pentecost weekend. For many, probably most of us, this weekend doesn't hold the same kind of significance in holiday like Easter or Christmas does, myself included. I'm there as well. Um, But to begin to understand what Pentecost is all about, you actually need to understand the role that feasts and festivals played for the Jewish people. If you're a note taker like me, I'm gonna give you some extra heads up. We're gonna be in Acts chapter two. Lots of scripture to cover this morning and lots of context and details. So you may wanna make sure you have at least two pens worth of ink. We're diving in, I warned you. I'm on the topic of Jewish festivals and feasts. You could do a whole sermon series on the significance of that. And actually at Timberline, we did a couple of years back. But in summary, Jewish feasts and festivals, they, they were memorial points throughout the year so that God's people would remember and celebrate. Don't lose this. Don't lose sight of what God did here. And they were actually commands, commands to have these feasts and festivals. And you and I can kind of relate to that in our modern context when we have Christmas and Easter. We can kind of relate to the significance of that and the importance. But Pentecost was one of those Jewish festivals. Pentecost isn't just a New Testament, Acts chapter two thing. Let me explain. According to the Old Testament, especially Leviticus 23, so you may wanna write that in in the margins as a reference if you're in Acts chapter two, Leviticus 23, because there we see that Pentecost marks the early weeks of the wheat harvest. Now, if you're looking back on Leviticus 23, first of all, overachiever. Second of all, um, you'll see, you won't see the word Pentecost. You will see the term Feast of Weeks because that Feast of Weeks became celebrated where the wheat harvest was, was harvested on these first weeks of May. And it was given the name Pentecost. That's a Greek term by Greek-speaking Jews because Pentecost simply means 50th, 50th. 50th of what? 50th in orientation to what? Well, that would be Passover. That Pentecost was celebrated 50 days after Passover. And so that's where the term 50th came from. We celebrate Pentecost. We celebrate this feast 50 days after Passover. So it kind of gets its orientation on that, the most significant of all Jewish celebrations in Passover. Now for the Christian Pentecost marks the opportunity to celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles 50 days after Easter, because Easter happened, occurred on Passover. And so many consider Pentecost the birthday, the day of the birth of the local church, of the Christian church. So happy birthday to the church. That's what Pentecost is all about. Happy birthday, church. We are celebrating 
the church's birthday. That's why at Timberline Church across campuses, we're doing a standalone weekend. All that means is we're, we're taking a break in our Mark sermon series to honor this and celebrate this. And for many of us, we're like, what is Pentecost all about? That's what we're gonna uncover today. We're gonna have to, a lot of Bible reading, 47 verses in fact, all of Acts chapter two. And as I've already teased a bit by diving into the Old Testament history of Jewish feasts and fastovers, fastovers, whatever, feasts, Passover, you got it. Um, I'm gonna have to do my best Pastor Brent Cunningham impersonation this weekend because there's a ton of context and stuff that we're gonna have to kind of squeeze together in this teaching here. So buckle in, and if, if this is just a little bit too much for you early in the morning, you haven't had enough coffee, well, that's why we have podcasts and on-demand sermons, not because this sermon is just somehow gonna be that good, but because once we start to unpack this, you'll see, man, there's so much to Pentecost, and if you're like me, it'll make you long for more, wanna engage in this more. My hope is that we would be Pentecost people. We would be people that honor this and celebrate this like we do Christmas and Easter. So, so glad we get to explore this together. So leading up to Pentecost, after Jesus's resurrection, there was 50 days from, from Passover to Pentecost, okay? From the celebration, the crucifixion, the resurrection of Jesus to this Pentecost moment. What was the church? What were the people like? And before we get the, this picture in our minds that, that heading into Pentecost, the church was just some spiritually hyped up, chomping at the bit people, ready to win the world for Jesus, that's not what we see in the beginning of Acts. They're terrified. They're still in shock from the crucifixion and even the resurrection. And Jesus, the risen Jesus, told them, don't move. Acts chapter one, verses four through five, he says, wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. This book of Acts that we're kind of diving into for just this weekend, it's, it's the sequel to Luke's gospel. Luke is the author of both, the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And before we think that, that kind of the apostles or the disciples' journey kind of ended with Good Friday and then Easter Sunday, oh no. No, God had mighty plans for them. It was only getting started back then. You thought this was exciting. You thought this was life-changing. That was all just the beginning. Acts chapter two, Acts, the book of Acts records what happened next. That's why I'm so excited to dive into this because something changes big time. Something changes from the life and the impact of Jesus now entrusting his apostles to be the sent ones as we talked about last week. The sent ones, go and take this. This is the moment of the birth of the church. When did the church start? That's what we're uncovering. That's Pentecost. So let's get to it. The disciples followed Jesus's instructions who wouldn't follow the instructions of a death-conquering friend, right? If he says, stay in Jerusalem, you're not leaving. And that's where we pick up Acts chapter two. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. 
and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, because it's Passover time. They're all kind of settling and gathering into Jerusalem. And at this sound, the multitude came together and they were bewildered because each one was hearing these people them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one of us in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians, we hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they're filled with new wine. <laughs> Lots to catch here. Not just within the story, but all the pregnant parts of history leading up to this. We've already explored a little bit of the ways that Pentecost builds upon a major Old Testament feast, Leviticus 23, rooted in the law. And now this particular Pentecost, it had been celebrated and celebrated and celebrated, but this time it shoots past all the others. It draws back on the developments of the Tower of Babel, Genesis 11, and the Passover, Exodus 12, baptism, Mark 1, among others, with John the Baptist, the greatest day in history, Easter, Mark 16. This is like a, a compilation of God's greatest hits. It's all included here. I remember uh, growing up as a kid, I always would wake up early on a Saturday morning and watch Saturday morning cartoons. Anybody remember in the 80s or the 90s watching Saturday morning cartoons? We didn't have DVR, we didn't have on demand, so you just had to make sure you were in the right place at the right time, and I didn't miss it, and, and th I was glad because there was this one episode where like all the characters from all the Saturday morning cartoon shows were all pulled into this one episode. The Ninja Turtles were there, DuckTales, the Care Bears. I'm sure Winnie the Pooh was there. There was, there was all these characters from all these shows in this one episode. And I remember as a kid thinking, that's so cool. All these different shows, they're all here. It's kind of like the sensation uh, for a more modern day example that people got when, when the Avengers kind of pulled together all the different movies and all those stars appeared and came together in one scene. For those of you baseball fans, it's like the World Baseball Classic roster, just looking over these teams going, all the best players are here. Basketball fans, dream team. That's Pentecost. Pentecost draws in all the heroes, all all the significant points in history and kind of gathers together all the greatest hits. The Tower of Babel here on Pentecost is reversed. 
the Tower of Babel back in Genesis 11, that was God scattering the people and confusing their languages because they had made it their mission to self-identify and self-purpose. God's purpose and mission for people was rejected, and so he scattered them. He forced scattering. And that, that Babel, that center of self-identity and self-purposing, where God's not gonna decide the purpose and the agenda I am. That becomes Babel, becomes the birthplace of Babylon. Babylon is, Revelation sees this as the central ID point of human-based institutions of identity and knowledge. See, all the efforts that people take to self-identify and self-purpose apart from God is here on Pentecost being reversed. God scattered and confused their languages back then, and here he is reversing the matter. Out to all the languages comes the mighty message and works of God Almighty. The Passover, Exodus 12, here it's honored and superseded because the festival of weeks or, or Pentecost gets its orientation from Passover. It all revolves around there. For the Jewish mind, Passover was like the sun that everything else revolves around. Remember when God freed his people from Egyptian oppression. And here on Pentecost now, it's saying he did it again. That God did what he does in freeing his people from their greatest enemy. Back then it was Pharaoh. Now it's the enemy of sin and death. He's even conquered that. You see, baptism, Mark chapter one, John the Baptist, here it's emphasized and extended. You've experienced the outpouring of the Spirit changing your life, making you new. Here with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's an entirely new, category-shaking thing. Pentecost highlights the big difference between the Spirit of God being with his people and from this point, the birth of the church on, the spirit of God is able to be in his people. You don't merely come to temple, you are temples. The way in which baptism vividly depicts the cleansing of a person's old life, Pentecost takes that to a whole new level and says, and then you're, you're cleansed of your former self and you're filled with the spirit to do things you could never do on your own. And that leads to Easter being magnified and praised. As we're about to hear in this crazy sermon from our friend Peter, he preaches that this risen Jesus that we're proclaiming is not just like the prophets and the kings of old. They all experienced death and death held fast to them. This one rose and we saw him. He is the risen one. This Pentecost proclaims the living one. You see where this is, this is kind of like the, the Velcro by which Babel and Passover and baptism and, and Easter all kind of connects to Pentecost. It's all drawn in here. The day of the birth, the birthday of the church and this going global, verses four through 12. It's not just for this little group anymore. It's going it's a whole new gear in the lives of these followers of Jesus. It's a whole new plan of the mess, message and the mission of God. 
It's an entirely new expression of the gospel and the people of God being filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, even better than walking through day-to-day life with him is the Holy Spirit in us. And I want you to actually just kind of make a note of that because as a staff, we talked about this earlier this week on is it true that, that it is better for us to have the Holy Spirit in us than if we had Jesus walking alongside of us. He said it was. And in case you're like, I don't know how that's true, look at Peter in the Gospels. Look at Peter in Mark, like we've been encountering. He's got his successes, and boy, does he have his failures. And the biggest failure hasn't even happened yet. It happens on Good Friday, where Peter, just two months before Pentecost, where Peter completely denies Jesus. But Pentecost happened and something changed in this guy. Let's pick it up, Acts chapter two, verse 14. But Peter, standing with the 11, lifted up his voice. Usually when that happens in the gospel, Peter lifts up his voice, what follows isn't good. (laughs) It's not pretty. I can relate to that. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. That's nine o'clock. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And I will show wonders in heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath, to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne. He foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. 
This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from God, from the Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel, therefore, know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about a thousand souls. Two months ago, this guy could not stand before people and admit that he knew Jesus. Two months ago, less than two months ago, this guy rejected Jesus even after he said, if all of these other guys that follow, follow you betray you, I won't. And then when rubber hit the road, he rejected him. He fell. Less than two months later, Seven weeks later, here he is giving this message and thousands of people are responding. How do you account for that? It's a really good ministry day. <laughs> no. No, you don't change like that. This is not the same guy. God has surely taken the former loudmouth and done something mighty through that loudmouth. This fisherman knew his stuff. He could recall to memory the prophet Joel and the sayings of David. Well, how did he get that kind of ability to just on the spot articulate things so well? The spirit of God upon him did the extraordinary through an ordinary person. Pentecost is the birthday of that. That's what the church is. It's not a building. It's not a box that you check in your week. The church is the work of God coming upon ordinary people. Do we have any of those here today? Ordinary people. <laughs> Doing the extraordinary. That's Pentecost. And if these things that God does through his church, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, if those kind of things seem healings over people, words of knowledge ways of articulating something that hadn't even formed in our minds before we said them, dreams and visions, that stuff seems weird, right? If, if you or I had that, we'd be like, whoa, that's not normal. Exactly. It's the definition of the word extraordinary. Extraordinary. Way beyond normal. And I, for one, want that in the church. I, for one, want that in my life, that God is not just doing the ordinary in your life and my life. I want the extraordinary. 
I want the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit in whatever way he wants to come upon me and come upon you to happen. God, break out of the bonds that we have kept in ordinary church. Let us honor the birth of the church by honoring what it looked like back then. It started back then, and God still does it today, moving in ordinary lives in extraordinary ways. Well, happy birthday, church. I guess we can see now, hopefully, why this is something worth celebrating and worth calling to memory. But then so what? What difference does all of this make? For me, I'm, I'm, I'm one of those guys that really likes all the notes and, and Leviticus 23 hyperlinks and Genesis 11, Tower of Babel and Exodus 12. I love how, how God's kind of constantly hyperlinking the Old Testament stuff and, and now I'm doing a new thing. I love that. But I recognize that we need to get this Pentecost from our heads to our hearts to our hands. How do we move Pentecost from our head to our heart through our hands? Well, for that, we're gonna finish off Acts chapter two. Lots of scripture here, not apologizing, just preparing you. We're gonna end chapter two. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people and the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. I want us to take a look at those, those verses, those passages, because this is what we see as a result of the day of the birth of the early church. We start with teaching. In that, in that passage, we see teaching from the whole of Scripture, drawing on prophets and festivals and all pointing to the resurrected one. All of it. We hand out a, a Bible. In fact, we're gonna hand out one of these Bibles in just a little bit that says, every story whispers his name. Everything in scripture points us to the resurrected, the living one. That's the apostles being devoted to teaching. And fellowship, togetherness, warmth, and welcome. You heard Jan say earlier, this is what we desire for people that experience Timberline Windsor, that you would be warmly welcomed and embraced. And we do that through connections. Meals, providence, day-to-day -day needs, gathering points founded on gratitude and shareability, prayer, coming to God with all that we're facing and allowing him to speak over it recognizing that all the developments of my life and all the developments of this crazy world are all still under his sovereign control. That's what prayer does. This is the God whom I'm talking to. The Spirit's power and wonders doing the miraculous with people like Peter taking what they could normally have offered and gone, and I'm gonna infuse it with my miracle-inducing power. 
I want to see the, the work of God doing wonders in the life of the church. Generosity, like a generosity that is self-giving. It's not just giving as we can spare. It's selling possessions, selling what we have, knowing that if I'm strong, if I'm well taken care of, it's to be used to serve others. We're not bodybuilders. We're never made strong just to be strong. We're made strong to use it, to employ it. Generosity that's self-giving. Worship, never far from praise. As we said earlier with Jan, and the, the role of the worship team is to invite all of us to all of our responsibility to, to bring Yahweh praise. Being real and present in the community. We foreshadowed this a little bit last week with the launching of the apostles, the sent ones. If church becomes just inwardly focused, we're a cult. The sent ones, there has to be a release. There has to be a going that this kindness is reaching favor with all people. That's what we see in the life of the early church. They're finding favor with others, not doing battles, unless it's spiritual battles. Because the mission and the message has not reached everyone it needs to. Do you realize that's why Jesus' second coming hasn't happened yet? There are people that need to know this message that haven't. It's the job of the church to multiply, go and tell them, be seed-bearing plants, disciples, making disciples, contagious generosity. This is what we see in the life of the church. Multiplication, multiplying their midst. Come and join me, you gotta encounter this. Maybe you're here today because someone said that. Come and check this out. So taken all together, I want this on the screens if it hasn't been, uh, teaching, fellowship, Meals, prayer, the Spirit's power, generosity, worship, real and present in the community, and multiplication. That is the church growth that we're striving for. That's the Spirit moving through ordinary lives, doing extraordinary. And some of us are gifted. I want to leave this up for a while. I want you to look at this list. Some of us are more gifted in some of these areas than others, and that's fine. But the reason I want you to look at this list is this is not an optional list for any church or any believer. Each of us, each body of churches and each believer, body of Christ, is supposed to have some of this in some way in our lives. If you want to see the mighty work of God come in you and through you like it did for Peter, if you want to see signs and wonders, if you're somebody that says, I want the baptism of the Holy Spirit to come upon me and just be like a spiritual superpower. Look at this list. Is there any of these that you need to grow in? Because sometimes we can take parts of our lives and say, I want the Spirit of God to be powerful in my life, except this area, that's mine, don't touch it. In order to overflow out of our lives, every part of the vessel needs to be able to be filled. So that means we have to be able to say, God, no matter what area it is, I'm laying, my, I'm laying my whole self down. You get all of it at the foot of the cross. And as the spirit leads me, whatever you wanna do, you get to do. This whole vessel is yours anyways. This whole life is yours anyways. This is my prayer for Pentecost week. 
that the people of the church would be Pentecost longing. We can see what God did back then and we could know, how do I make that overflow extraordinarily in my life? God, I yield, I give you everything. And I'm not just talking about a heightened season of church activity. I know what season it is. For some of us, we just sent off some kids to middle school camp or preparing for high school camp. Others of us, we're preparing for VBS. Others of us, we have a missions trip coming up or all this kind of engagement and some of it's just outside of the ministries of church. We got family time that we're prioritizing, our primary place of ministry. And you hear a pastor saying, I want more, I want more. And you're like, that's exhausting if you do it by your own power. Peter didn't preach this sermon on his own power. What's the difference? Holy Spirit, yield in me. Every aspect of my life is yours to control. Do with me what you want. And guess what? You pray that prayer. You authentically open up your soul like that. He responds. He does. He's faithful to do that. And where church life has become laborious or we've become weary, I'm not calling for heightened activity. I'm calling for an outpouring of the Spirit. I want that. I see it in your lives and it makes me want more of it, more of Acts chapter two. Teaching, fellowship, meals, prayer, Spirit's power, generosity, worship, real and present in the community, multiplication. Is there any of those areas that you need to allow the spirit to fill more fully in your life? Keep that in front of you. It's a great thing to be asking. I challenge you, maybe even do some simple things. Invite somebody over for dinner, somebody that needs a little extra care and grace. Simple things like that can be the church, be in the church. And this weekend, I love God's timing. I love it because he did it on Mother's Day with a passage that we needed to encounter on Mother's Day. And he did it last week where we're sending the Bronner family and we're sending missions teams. And what is the passage we just so happen to be on? About the sending. And he's doing it this week. Because here we are encountering what does extraordinary life of the church look like? Well, we've talked about it biblically. It looks like that. And I get to share a family love story in our midst here in progress with all credit to Jesus. And I can already feel it. I'm gonna have to read some of this, otherwise I may not get through. Ahead of today's Sonnenberg family dedication, there's a bit of a story that you need to hear. The details of the story are theirs to share, but you need to hear this. Many of you will recall Sarah's time being on staff with us here at this campus and then also on staff in our communications department, Timberline Wide. And then, and then Sarah and AJ have done a great job leading a really fun young couples date night group the last couple of years. And when they encountered some serious challenges with their son Leo's birth, the prayers and the tears and the love of this church family did what the body of Christ does, came around them, Not theoretically, but in tangible love and care. And as a pastor, I have to say to the church that is involved in their story, thank you. Thank you for being the reflection and representation of Jesus 
for them. And I know for certain that the Spirit has given this family extraordinary strength when they desperately needed it. Wisdom and medical discernment in the midst of great complexity. Medical professionals and specialists trained with skilled, critical support. Today, alongside family and dear friends, the vibrant love of the church, we get to stand alongside of them. We get to thank Sarah and AJ for their incredible faith and strength. We get to embrace Leo in his endurance and uniqueness. We get the honor of dedicating this family to the Lord and to our church. So big picture, as I said, the details are their story to tell. But on a personal note, this dedication, our blessing and our promise to this family is very special for me. So I'd like to invite the Sonnenbergs to join us on stage. And just like we are gonna equip you I'll hold them like that. How about that? <laughs> hey, buddy. Just like we equip you with these resources, and this gift of beauty, innocence, love, passion, appreciation from this church family, we ask you guys to continue to equip us as a church. Help us know how we can learn better, care better, see things more profoundly, more uniquely. We're about to sing lyrics in a song that in my father's house, there's a place for me. And how true that is for every soul that God has knitted together in their mother's womb. That's all of us and that's special, special Leo. Church, would you stand? God, we come alongside of AJ, Sarah, and precious Leo. We thank you for the gift of unique, special, divinely guarded life. We thank you for the love of the church coming alongside of people in desperate, hard, terrifying hours. We thank you for strength to endure what seems unendurable. We thank you for friendships and moments of levity. We thank you for smiles and laughter and food. In this life, in these lives of the Sonnenberg family, we see Acts 2 poured out. That the life of the church, divinely extraordinary, is evident in our midst. And that is why we pray a blessing over AJ and Sarah as parents in their marriage first, and then as parents of sweet Leo. And we thank you for his endurance, for his strength, for the ways in which the church will be different because of his life and the things that we were able to see and learn because of it. Gifts that would have not been there without your unique authorship. We love you for that. We praise you for that. And we dedicate this family to the church, to your body, to you, Jesus. In your name, amen. We hope you encountered the love and power of Jesus in today's service. If you're interested in giving, 
for joining serving opportunities and much more, visit timberlinechurch.org connect. Have a great week. Go be the church and let love live.